Hello, and welcome to Double Exposure, a conversation podcast about comparing and contrasting cinema old and new, viewing two films through the same lens. My name is Bear, and I love film. From the latest and greatest blockbusters to the hidden art house gems, I'm just passionate about movies. I'm not a film major. I'm not a famous critic. I just really enjoy movies and love learning everything about them. This week on Double Exposure, we will be indulging in two romantic comedies, each with a specific fascination around the number 10, bringing us to the late 90s teen romance classic, 10 Things I Hate About You, and the more adult rom-com, oozing with deception, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. My guest today is Audra, who has spent her entire life eager to dive into this passion-filled genre. Audra? Hello there. Eager, right? Oh. You're just, you're just, you're just biting, biting ankles to really talk about this. I am I, I, living <laughs> for this. Um, I owned How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days in my youth. Yep. Had it on DVD. Oh, uh, come on. I, That's right. I did. Just regular DVD or before Blu-ray? Yes. Before Blu-ray really popped up? Yeah. I think, I want to say it was an acquisition from one of those like giant bins they had at Walmart full of DVDs. Okay. Like, oh yes. And they're like $2 yeah. or like two, two for $5 kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I got clue. I got how to lose a guy in 10 days. I got oh, what women on. want. Um, <laughs> it was, a. Uh, were they all, was it one of those like triple feature kind of things? It, Cause I feel like 10 things I hate about you does not fit in like the same kind of like, like package movies that they do, it would not fit with How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Oh, no. One of them is good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the other is um, for sure a movie. Technically speaking. <laughs> from, from all the things that <laughs> classify something as a movie, it's one of those. <laughs> um, so when was the first time you saw 10 Things I Hate About You? Can you tell me the year? Oh, uh, 2020. <laughs> you said... T- Oh, 10 Things I Hate About You. Twenty Was the first time you've seen it? Yeah. Really? Um, oh, my gosh. I have an aversion to films that I fear will make me feel things. Um, and I had always gotcha. classified, even though watching it definitely fits into the rom-com category. Solid com bones and whatnot. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I feared it would make me feel things. And so I hadn't watched it. Exactly. From what like you've gathered just by, I don't know. Osmosis. I don't know about you. He, he, yeah. <laughs> he, Heath Ledger, he does something to me. I think it may be his f- knowing, you know, his, that his death is, is here and has mm-hmm. been here for a while. But I think it's just because he's absolutely just batshit incredible. Like he's just, yeah. he's incredible. And I think that's intimidating for me with this movie too. Cause I've heard a lot about it, mm-hmm. but this was also my first time uh, in 2020 uh, seeing this film and Heck yeah. uh, watch it on, Di- watch it on Disney plus. Lost that was same. interesting. Yeah. I don't, I didn't know it was a Disney movie, you know, of course, of, of course it's a Disney movie. They own everything. Mm-hmm. If it's not a Disney movie, they just snatch it up and mm-hmm. put it on there and under their umbrella. Did I, I'll say this once uh, and I've, I, I'll say it again and I've already said it once, something like that. It, Disney is the gentrification of cinema. They come in and they tell the little guys <laughs> and get the F out of here. We're big and we're massive. And we'll charge you $6 a- for a bowl of cereal. <laughs> and we'll charge you $35 to watch Mulan. <laughs> 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 Not that I want to watch Mulan, but... Um, mm. Yeah. How to lose a guy in 10 days. Uh, you know, I, this was also my first time watching it and it'll be my last. What about you? Um, yeah, probably. It's probably my hundredth time watching it because it was one of the movies that was on DVD. Oh, in my gotcha. House. Oh my gosh. hundred. No, okay. Maybe that's an, that's, it's not cutthroat Island with Gina Davis. Um, <laughs> but I have seen it quite a few times, but now right. watching it as an adult, yeah, there's a lot of good movies out there, and I don't think I want to spend my time watching this. Good movies is subjective. If it is exactly what you want, then it is right. perfect. 
Um, yes, absolutely. If, if you go into it and you're like, okay, I've seen the trailer for this. I've been told about this. Like you kind of develop a base knowledge of what kind of movies you like. Like I mm-hmm. enjoy movies that make me feel uncomfortable and make me feel things. And honestly is not necessarily an escape, but <laughs> movies that like are incredibly traumatic for the character. And then I can like watch that and be like, wow, I don't understand that, but I want to mm. see. I like movies um, where funny things happen to funny people. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, isn't this just the movie for you, Miss Thing? Yes. <laughs> let's, um, let's go ahead and dive right into, I think, the movie that we'd rather talk about first, which would be 10 Things I Hate About You. Mm-hmm. 10 Things mm-hmm. I Hate About You was basically kind of the last hurrah of 90s rom-coms. Mm-hmm. It was put out in 1999, and from what I have collected, I, now I was born in 97, So I was uh, two years old. So I was not indulging in this piece of cinema at two years old. But here I am. I feel like I can appreciate it being about mm, almost five years removed from high school. I can appreciate its value, its Shakespearean approach. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure for the time, it did a lot for so many people in like it had to be just oozing with relatability. You know what I mean? I mean, it's 2020 and it was still for me. I was like, wow, I so get relevant. it. Like, I love the, I love the, um, the, uh, the black teacher and like him interacting with the white Rastafarian kids. Oh like you God. shut up. You don't know who I, you don't know my culture. I'm like, holy shit. Yes. This is, I saw a YouTube comment that said, this is so ahead of its time. I'm like, is it though? Are we just all unwoke? <laughs> and and 10 things I hate about you is just like always known that this is a thing. Mm-hmm. I was so happy because we start out with Kat, who is Julia Stiles. And she, right. she enters and she, she has bad reputation playing in her car mm. to establish her vibe mm. right off. Um, That's right. And I'm, Damn straight. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'm with it. And then she gets into yep. the class and she's like a man-hating second wave feminist jerk, Audra in high school type person. And I was like, God, someone needs to call her out like they didn't do for me. <laughs> yeah. Someone, and they're trying to call her mm-hmm. out. Like they're trying to like we've got one character. Um, this oh, I forget what his name is. He's just this unbelievable. Uh, I think it's Cameron, right? Joseph Gordon-Levitt um, is Cameron. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. There's so many characters in this mm-hmm. movie. I'll just say that. It's very complicated. But one line I really want to, and I think a majority of this conversation, I'd love, I, the, it's the it's the freaking quotes, man. Mm-hmm. It's the freak, It's the taglines. It's everything. Like mm-hmm. Heath Ledger, his character, um, he w- comes in to the class late and he says, what did I miss? And uh, Kat goes, the oppressive patriarchal values that, dictate our education i thought that i i was on the floor i was on the absolute floor that was amazing mm-hmm. and i think like what i want to segue into just like quickly before the uh we just kind of talk about the plot is how quotable this is and how fun it is to know that it's quotable mm-hmm. like how like some of these lines have just stuck in my mind yeah like oh when she crashes into the car like our insurance doesn't cover pms <laughs> Come on. I think so good. I think that is you can line that up kind of with the Shakespearean influences because it's based on Taming of the Shrew. Yes, Um, that's right. So you can kind of line that up with the zinger type quality of like stage play, Shakespearean Mm. type things where the dialogue isn't super natural to how you and I would speak. Um, mm-hmm. but it's not intended to be, it's intended to fall more along the lines of that Shakespearean vibe. Absolutely. And I'm into it. It's like an episode of Gilmore Girls, but it's just a movie. <laughs> like, it, like, like, like it's, it, that's what it felt like to me. Cause I don't know if you are familiar with Gilmore Girls. I know that Jared Padalecki is in it. 
Um, oh, that's all oh, I he is. That's really all I know. And that he plays a character named Dean. Oh, don't get me started on Dean. Okay. Holy shit. This is all I know. I also think that they sit on a sofa and drink hot beverages a lot. That's really all Quite I've got. Often. <laughs> yep. It's insanely witty. It's so witty and just quick one-liners that you remember and very Shakespearean in its tongue, honestly. So mm-hmm. I got a lot of, I, I thought that, and the writer for that is incredible. I forget what her name is, but um, I, I got a lot of Gilmore Girl vibes. Um in this moon. Maybe I'll check out Gilmore Girls. So basically, 10 Things I Hate About You, I thought it was going to start off like number one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, here's the first thing I hate about you. But it didn't do that. It was, it's, it actually comes around this uh, sonnet that is given at the end of the movie. But basically what it is, is it's a play on Timmy the Shrew, as Audra said. And here we have this new kid named Cameron who... Uh, he starts, he falls in love with this girl named Bianca. He's got a dater. Um, and so he is being, he's shadowing. Is that what it's called? Do you remember shadowing? Oh yeah. my gosh. I, Holy cow. I was a sophomore orientation guide for the new freshman at oh, our high yes, school. You, yes, yes, you were. You hundred <laughs> percent were. Yeah. I helped with the assemblies. I showed yes, you did. people where the lockers were. Oh yes, you did. Oh, that's too good. That's rich. I could totally see you as somebody doing that. Okay, so here's the cafeteria. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Here's my favorite class and my favorite teacher. You so better got, watch yourself. <laughs> just like a base description is, you know, we've got Bianca and Kat and their dad doesn't want them dating unless one of them dates. So here, in order for Cameron to date Bianca, he has to find someone to date Kat. So Michael, the shadow, he helps him enlist the help of a pretty boy, a jerk, a model, Joey Donner. And he tricks oh. Joey into thinking that he will get to take out Bianca if he pays someone to take out Cat. Holy shit. I mean, like, I couldn't, like, there's just so much going on when they were describing it. When mm-hmm. you have to, like, read the description on paper, that's so much. But when it's displayed out in the movie, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things that they would give you as an assignment in English class to like mm-hmm. track out and draw the little chart of who's doing what. Like they had, I like my teacher had me do for Great Gatsby. Like they're yes. having an affair and they're having an affair um, just to make sure you understood. But if you're yes. engaging with it, it does, it makes some sense. Exactly. It, you know, and I think that was a big thing with this movie is it was so quick. Mm-hmm. And I love the very cohesive nature of the movie. As I was just kind of revisiting it a little bit and just watching some like key clips with some important taglines and emotional moments, uh, it would cut off and I'd be like, wait, keep going. Like, mm-hmm. I want this kit, clip to continue. It's like, this isn't really one of those movies where, you, you know, a clip from it is getting 50 million views on YouTube, you know, where it's just like, you got to watch this movie clip. With this movie, it's like, you just got to watch the whole movie, mm-hmm. honestly. If you really want to understand its full potential, because there's not a moment in this movie where somebody is not talking, truly. Yeah. Like, they are just flying with words. Yeah, everything they're saying is kind of progressing some part of the story or setting up the next part of the story even just the offhanded mention by, is it Michael? I think you've said Michael, the one who played the head elf in the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Oh my gosh. Um, Are you kidding me? He played the, yeah, he did. Oh yeah. Bernard. That bastard. Um, <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. So, I didn't even, I thought I recognized him. I was like, you're in something and I can't, I can't put a finger on it. Oh, come on. I'm glad I could help. I'm glad I could wow, enrich your just, life with this knowledge. Um, I'm enriched. I'm soothed. You know, I got some dry skin and it is just fully cleared. Nourished. Um, But if even him mentioning as he walks by a table, they were really cool, but then they kicked me out and it was this guy who did it. Um, Even those quick things come in later. So you really have to Mm -hmm. be paying attention because something is always going to be relevant later on. Very fun. 
Very fun. It was really hard for me to take notes during this. I'm looking at my notes and it's just like chicken scratch all over because I was trying to watch the movie and write at the same time, but it was so hard. It was so difficult to like put my, my nose down and actually pay attention to my writing because I knew I was going to miss something with how fast the words are going, how thick the plot is, how great, oh my gosh, how much great chemistry these characters have. I have one thing uh, that is kind of, it's a qualm, but it's also a praise. And in any rom-com, you're going to get kind of a fantasy-driven sort of plot, right? It's just like, hypothetically, this could happen, but it's not exactly a realistic thing. Us humans don't really do shit like this, Mm -hmm. but it's fun to see a fictional movie about it. Their chemistry going into the movie, it was seamless right off the bat. And I think, and what I picked up and uh, researched about is that the cast was, they were just like, like ride or die friends, like absolute best friends to the core. They were all so close and behind the scenes set was uh, really built their chemistry on camera. And I think what I, for my personal taste have realized is that I enjoy movies where they're developing their chemistry on camera and they don't have any off camera. Mm. Um, we see in a lot of directors such as Quentin Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson and Scorsese, he doesn't let the two people meet as characters until they're on screen. And if they've never met each other before in life, then the first time they're going to meet is on screen. If they're meeting each other for the first time in the movie. I understand it theoretically. Mm -hmm. If you want to get like authentic performances from people in a specific character that is incredibly different from the type of person that they are. But I do like for the high school vibe, the fact that becoming friends behind the scenes kind of gives you that classmate vibe on screen. That's a type of dynamic I don't think you can develop strictly on screen. Oh, absolutely. I think that's a great point too for this kind of movie. That absolutely works. Like it it works in the sense of they you know, like probably acted, they were all pretty much like 18, 19 years old when filming this, which is incredible because you see so many 29, 30 Mm -hmm. year olds playing high school kids in movies these days. And you're like, what are you doing? Just make a movie about young adults. Come on. Mm -hmm. Like Teen Wolf, Alison Argent, the girl that they have to play her. She's like 28 when they first start. Oh dear God. And I'm like, you are not a sophomore. No, you're not. Oh my gosh. Twilight. They were probably, they were like mid-20s when they were making those. Insane. Something I noticed about this film is the difference between the reception of, I want to say Cameron, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character at the time versus now. Because watching, watching him immediately be in love with Bianca and think she can do absolutely no wrong, feel almost entitled to date her. I Mm -hmm. don't think was an issue at the time, but watching it in 2020, I have a little bit of a problem with it. What do you think your main problem is? I think it's just nice guy vibes. I'm a nice guy. So I did all these things. You gotta like me. So you have to like me. Um, Despite the fact that she she accepted his help, but didn't really ask him to do a lot of the things that he did and then felt entitled about. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's the whole like nice guy thing. I think this was kind of one of the last movies to just do that. You know, mm-hmm. like now we're like, OK, we've seen the whole nice guy thing in other movies. But I think like an aspect that this movie doesn't really have is like, where's the kind guys? Where are the guys that are like <laughs> really going out there and being, you know, mm-hmm. truly kind in their actions and, you know, not serving themselves and serving the other person and not wanting to be in the limelight and want to go above and beyond and pay money to do this. Like (laughs) the, Oh man, just the thought just to pay somebody to go on a date. Holy shit. It's just hilarious. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of contrast the nice guy vibes of Cameron with genuine kind actions by Patrick Heath Ledger in Mm -hmm. Cameron's thought process in doing all of this is I get to date Bianca is if I do all of this, I will get to date this goddess who I don't even really know. Um, Meanwhile, Patrick, seeing Kat sick at the party, takes care of her. Um, She has a concussion. He makes sure 
she doesn't fall asleep, makes sure that she gets home safely, and then after seeing people drunkenly making out at the party, doesn't want to kiss her while she's incapacitated. So, oh my gosh. Like, there's a difference between being kind for something in return and being a genuine, kind-hearted person at your core. There's a very big difference. Mm -hmm. And I think that we can kind of see that play out in the difference between Cameron and Patrick. Absolutely. I think as the film goes on and we see that, um, you know, Patrick has been hired, you know, by Cameron um, and he's, you know, been asked to date um, Kat while uh, the other guy, Joey, has been asked to go after Bianca. Um, I think it was inevitable that we that we would, you know, obviously see them fall in love mm-hmm. and take this role. But it was incredible how his story played out and how the movie chose to, you know, he could have just been a bad boy the whole time, really. Mm-hmm. But like she started learning things about him and she started opening up to him and he had so much to give and so much to say and so much ended up really wanting to take care of her. And ultimately, you know, the act of deception was still weighing him down where he was just like, oh, but like what she doesn't know is that I'm getting paid for this, which is like an interesting tie in with how to lose a guy in 10 days. Just that whole Mm -hmm. uh, romantic deception kind of theme. Yeah. Um, The like dramatic irony that we know there's something else under the surface here. But they have... And somehow they have no clue. Bullshit. <laughs> it's unbelievable how they have no clue. But also, I mean, it is a movie and they don't have any clue. Suspension of disbelief, man. Makes the it's world really go something. round. I, I think, and I think that's why sometimes I struggle with these rom-com movies. Because it's like, it is so predictable. And I just love being thrown for a loop, you know? Love some Gone Girl shit. Some, <laughs> some dark dark just twists that just stick you with the knife in the stomach pull the knife out and then stab you in the neck you know Mm -hmm. like (laughs) oh just kidding we're gonna get you right there instead you know and did you get that that. (laughs) you didn't get that from 10 things i hate about you no i got hit with a pillow and then they gave me a coca-cola afterwards (laughs) in a glass bottle in a glass bottle and they said here's your here's your lunch money back (laughs) (laughs) it was more kind (laughs) um something that i love specifically about the relationship between cat and patrick is we get to see them slowly understand that the other person has this hard shell just to protect that gooey center they're Mm. both the different sides of that or two yes. different sides of that. Because we find out in the end, Patrick was gone from school for a year. Everyone says he was like in prison for something. He was. Yeah, eating a duck yeah. and like killing a like, guy with this. Like these are insane assumptions of what he was doing. Mm-hmm. But it turns out he was living with his terminally ill grandfather to be his live in carer. And <sighs> it's just easier for him to live in this world where people think he's terrifying so that they don't see that he's a softie. That's right. what getting through high school, like that's what's easier for him. They're just softies. Yeah. I'm kind of hearing the the puddle in your, like. I, How dare you? Audibly, it sounds like you're in a puddle right now. How? You, you good? You doing all right? How dare you? I did have to take a couple hours after watching this film to like process my emotions. Um Yes. Typically, it takes a couple days, but I got through this one pretty good, pretty fast. Good. Okay, I'm <laughs> proud of you. Truly, truly proud. Did you watch both these movies back to back? I took that like hour or two in between. Oh, but pretty much back to back. It was within the same okay. day. Oh, that's crazy. So it was fresh. That is quite fresh. Mm-hmm. Another reason that I really connected to this movie is I also grew up as a high school girl with incredibly protective parents. So that you can't date in high school is all too real. All too real to me. What a dad move for him to go unless <laughs> your sister dates, though. Holy Ooh. cow. Love the dad, by the way. Can we love the dad? Good. Mm-hmm. Great movie dad. I would love to. I love movie dads. Always have loved movie dads. There's just so many great specific movie dads out there. This one's definitely up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter how protective he is, he has fun with it. He, you know, he pokes a little fun. He plays some games with it. Yeah. And um, he's always kind of the butt of a joke. 
in things. He does have a good reason to not want his daughters to date. Is it excessive? Yes. Um, yep. It's too much. But as someone who is regularly delivering babies and has seen probably not as many as he says, definitely not as many as he says, um, but has seen teen pregnancies and teen births and what their lives look like directly afterwards. He has so many goals for his children that he doesn't want anything to change. And he doesn't want to be able to release his hold on that. I get it. It's even the comedy dad is three-dimensional and I hate it. <laughs> you, you hate it because you had that. Yeah. Did you, did you like my, my intervention voice just there? <laughs> All right, come on in, guys. Audra, we have something to talk about with you. <laughs> you hate it because you lived it. Uh, you lived it. But and here's why we're going to help you. The even more redeeming part about that dad is that by the end, he was accepting that his daughters are humans with their own thoughts and emotions and hopes and dreams. Uh, yes, he lets him. He lets him fly eventually when the 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 night of the prom comes. Uh, that was sweet. so sweet, unbelievable. He lets them live a little bit, and as mu- as much as that's painful for him, and you can see it, you, he knows that it's good, and he knows that it's true, and that it needs he needs to let go a little bit. And I love that as we watch that play out throughout the film with him in his relationship with his daughters, because yeah, ultimately he wants the best for them. Uh, interesting perspective, you know, the mom left, mm-hmm. um, and not the dad. And usually, uh, usually the whole deadbeat father thing is more, uh, prevalent in film. Yeah. Uh, you know, dad went out for cigarettes, dad didn't come back kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this time it was the mom and that's super interesting. That changes the entire dynamic of it, you know, mm-hmm. and it then creates a v- much more sheltered life for these girls because, oh, all of a sudden mom's gone. It's up to dad to do everything. And dad's going to take this extreme role. And so I really, I really like that. Honestly, it's a good twist. I mean, I don't love that the mom left. I'm yeah. Not, I'm not <laughs> condoning mothers leaving. You know, if you're a mom out there, you should, you should think things over. Oh <laughs> uh, Yeah. But we typically in films have seen it played out the mother needing to play both roles, all roles in the household. Um, but it's far less common to see a father figure have to play all roles and right. kind of see what that looks like in this situation. Did you ever see the movie Eighth Grade? That's another movie, Dad, that um, is inc- kind of gives me the similar vibes. I have. A very good movie about just growing up and living out just your school, your current school setting kind of, I got similar vibes to that with mm-hmm. obviously eighth grade was made, you know, about, uh, roughly 20 years later than, <laughs> uh, 10 things ahead about you. So probably got some inspiration, but just really yeah. cool to see. Um, you know, there's, I think this movie did a lot setting up, uh, for just society in general with just like, I don't know, just these black teachers telling white kids, you know, forget you and these dads. Like, it's a very, like now, like, I don't think people were very aware of that back then. So it's like a very, it's a very self-aware movie of what it's trying to stand for and like setting it up well into the 21st century, honestly, because it's 1999 Mm -hmm. and it kind of feels like a movie that was made just 10 years ago, but it was made about 20 years ago. 10 Things I Hate About You from 1999 what we've uh, kind of collected is a uh, Gilmore Girls but a movie it's incredibly witty I find sometimes the chemistry force but then at also times uh, undoubtedly charming I like a movie that gravitates more towards uh, on-camera perspective of acting but then again it's gorgeous it's charming it's delightful it's heart-wrenching and uh, I do like young Joseph Gordon-Levitt quite a bit so I'm going to give this movie a three and a half out of five. Speaking of the number 10, <laughs> how, how, to, how to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, starring two pretty big actors, Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey. What do you think of the, what, what do you think of these two people? Um, Matthew McConaughey is better than this. 
guy is so much better than this. Kate Hudson is not Goldie Hawn. <laughs> no, she's not. Like, I get... And she could be. Like, they really had her play this in a Goldie Hawn style. Because I believe Goldie Hawn's her mom. Um, yes, Goldie Hawn is her mom. So they really wanted another Goldie Hawn. But there's the, only yeah, the, one. Yeah, like, did see just overly blonde is that a good word to use just so blonde i could just i just kind of hurt a little bit but the thing about goldie hawn i love her physical presence in scenes um that i just don't get as big of a performance of with Mm -hmm. kate hudson right because we've got goldie hawn yeah and like the overboard and private benjamin like first wives club that were just great Yes. Oh, my gosh. First Wives Club. Come on. Mm -hmm. Incredible. So, yeah, Kay Hudson, you know, it's interesting. She's not living up to her mom's potential in this, but she's given us an interesting performance for sure. Mm -hmm. We've got so we've got these two characters. We've got Ben. He's an advertising executive. Right. He owns uh, he he promotes man stuff like beer and football (laughs) and jeans and belt loops and stuff like that. (laughs) And we've got sweet Andy, who is basically the cosmopolitan equivalent, you know, uh, relationship advice columnist and uh, makeup and hair and beauty stuff. So that is some gender role stuff for sure. I will say you're you're cutting out a core part of Andy's characterization. She Uh wants to write about Tajikistan. More than anything in the world. (laughs) More than anything in the world. Why that country? Who knows? Yeah. she. Only then will the people of Tajikistan know true and lasting peace. Until sweet, sweet Andy from this. From Composure magazine. magazine. Frequently in the movie, she mentions, I just want to write about politics. No, you don't. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. Who does? Do you think a current politic writer wants to be writing about politics? I bet they'd rather be writing about makeup and go- and gossip and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know I've discovered why she can't get a job writing in politics. It's because she has a core misunderstanding of matching content to audience. No one reading Composure magazine is here to read about politics you do not understand marketing. This is this is not the audience for this. And we'll give a big spoiler because, I mean, she eventually learns that in the end mm-hmm. of, of this uh, cinematic piece. Mm. So we, <laughs> we've got these we've got these two people. Right. They're executives, you know, and one girl, you know, Andy, she's basically attempting in order to get her own column and like write about whatever she wants. Uh, she has that kind of this bet. And her boss says, I want you to lose a guy in 10 days. Mm-hmm. But then on the other end, we've got this guy named Ben, who in order to get a deal with a famous diamond merchant, he cuts a deal with his competitors that are against him, that he can make a woman of their choice fall in love with him in 10 days. Lo and behold, unbelievable, they're at the same restaurant when this deal comes about. Oh, my God. And they choose... Andy, holy <gasps> shit! And the stars align. the 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 drinks are poured. The romance is on. It's game time. Ten days starts now. Thoughts. <laughs> um. So, if Ten Things I Hate About You is Gilmore Girls, the movie, then How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days is gaslighting the feature film. Absolutely. Where. He is trying all the tricks to fool her into loving him. And she is trying all the tricks to essentially make him think he's crazy and that she's crazy and that they should never be together. Exactly. It's uh, it's anti 10 things I hate about you. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, it, it completely anti, except for the fact that these both of these movies mentioned the number 10, which is incredible, honestly. So with like the the term gaslighting, we kind of come into this like this movie basically is just about lying in mm-hmm. order to get something for yourself, which sort of is a similar theme with 10 Things I Hate About You, a lot of deception in order to yeah. get something done. But we also find 
this is just way worse. Like, mm-hmm. this is just like beyond, this is just, it's gone too far. Like you've just, it's like, this to me is like a pathological <laughs> lying kind of film where it's just like, they've dug themselves so deep that it's just like, she's just got to keep going with just, I think the absurdity of it that she pushes it so far, you know, like, like, um, who the hell is she to ruin a man's night, a boy's night? Oh, come on. Un- unbelievable. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. He had to, they had to put their cigars out. Those things were probably so expensive. It's bullshit, man. Mm-hmm. I think there is just a lot of the love and deception vibes in both of these that are so strong. The core difference for me that I do think is a little bit redeeming in how to lose a guy in 10 days is they are adults. They're at least adults that are messing with other adults. Right. It's still cruel, but in 10 things I hate about you, they are youths being paid and like manipulative manipulated in order to manipulate other people um Mm -hmm. while there's a lot of things that i dislike about how to lose a guy in 10 days they're both adults who have gotten themselves into this situation (laughs) exactly they've dug a pretty deep hole that and it's kind of it's it's a very childish action for two adults which makes the absurdity of this movie so grand you know like she is she's really selling it like Mm -hmm. she is going above and beyond And, you know, and he is too, you know, he is too. And of course we find that as they, as one tries to lose the other and the other tries to gain the other, you know, they, they end up falling in love each other. Oh my God. Unbelievable. They fall in love uh, on, uh, on a bridge with a ton of construction, you know, it's just how we always dreamed when we were children, when we, when we were like, when I'm grown up and I'll fall in love, it's going to be on a bridge with construction. Mm-hmm. I want I want this guy to scream up on his motorcycle up to this cab while there's tons of construction. Definitely, he's not holding up a traffic jam or anything. There's no way. <laughs> the The thing for me that is interesting at the beginning of this film, just like in Ten Things I Hate About You, there's some rough edges to both of these characters. Like, yes, neither of them are great people. Didn't see much growth throughout this film um no not really she she's not trying to actively ruin his life and he's okay with dogs i think that's pretty much the growth that we see um well wait she hey come on she gives she she the discovery at the end you know she realizes she's got to go to to washington she's got to go all the way across the country she my thing from she new york to washington dc or washington state yes wasn't she going to washington state Unclear. I think that was the whole thing <laughs> of the movie. I'm pretty sure that was a whole thing. That makes more sense to me because it's just like you're moving to Washington. That's across this entire country. And my take on that was you could just grow within New York. There's probably a ton of other magazines that would hire you. You're in New York. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was a growth point for her. It's like she realized like, like she didn't need to be defined by composure. Therefore, she was being put in a box her entire writing career and now she was able to realize that she could write outside of um, makeup and all that and about Tajikistan I guess you know whatever I think this movie to me it was pretty disingenuous in terms of script writing and attempts Mm -hmm. again like we talked about it checks all the boxes of being a movie right it is a film (laughs) and everything but I think that it's as far as its character character development and overall message is completely flat and has no backbone or meat to it. Mm-hmm. It's mere intentions are to just make the audience feel kind of gushy and stuff and to let the movie theaters sell a bunch of popcorn essentially. Yeah. If you're in the first 30 seconds of the movie, you're CGIing a blanket being pulled over some legs. Nope. I'm done. Ooh, I did not notice that. Um, but it was rough. But what I did notice is that she initially says, I want to write about politics. But throughout the rest of the movie, politics plays absolutely no part in her life. She's obsessed Mm-mm. with basketball. So it would have even been more realistic if she wanted to be a sports writer. Like yes. if she wanted to be a sports writer and that was what she was excited about. But that didn't fit the composure vibe one, that would have made the two of them, her and Ben, even more compatible. 
Yes. And that that was something that she was hiding from him is this underlying compatibility. But the politics thing and the world events that they try to tell me that she cares about is not what Andy as a person is demonstrated to care about in any way. Correct. Absolutely correct. As far as I'm concerned, too, this movie is supposed to take place at some point in like the 90s or something. Like, I don't really know if it's like a current mm-hmm. movie, I, like as far as like the time period goes. I feel like I looked it up and it was 2003. That is it meant to be in 2003? I think so. Okay, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just wrong in my assumption than that. But I feel like it just looked it was really I think the big thing I had with this movie, it was really just not fun to look at. It was very muddy. It was like someone fogged on the camera lens and it just kind of stayed fogged. <laughs> and then that really affected the script. And 10 Things I Hate About You was able to have incredible costume design. Phenomenal. With everything. Unbelievable music choice. Oh. Oh my gosh. That music was so good. The music in this movie was just the elevator music mixed with like a clue board game where it was just like except at the end where they used anywhere you go by gin blossoms which at that at that that point in 2003 was like seven years old yep like it had its peak but then nothing for seven years and then it was used in how to lose a guy in 10 days as this emotional connection point nope this movie tasted like a hallmark card left in a garbage can but like like a garbage bin but like the card had been like there for like 10 years and like suffered through many many seasons of rain and just kind of stuck to the pavement outside of a hallmark card store Mm -hmm. that's what this movie tasted like covered in glitter covered in glitter and sappy i think just like overblown words that just don't really make sense and i think it could have been better mm-hmm. i think it really could have been better and there were a lot of fun things about it mm-hmm. i thought that their chemistry was really great i thought the i thought the basketball game scene was incredible like it was like this is the game of the year and like mm-hmm. he like that was pretty smart i really liked the basketball scene one really cool detail i enjoyed actually um that was pointed out to me was Whenever she is herself, her hair is curled. And whenever she's lying, her hair is straight. That's... I kid you not. I think that's great. Like, she's this other persona. Like, she's this kind of, you know, crazy, straight-haired blonde. And then she's herself, her natural curls Mm -hmm. when she's herself. There's a part of me that, when you mentioned that, deeply considered re-watching the film to verify this theory, I'm not going to. But I deeply thought about it. It's safe to say the only connection between these films is the number 10, right? Oh, yeah. This is is truly why we picked this, because both of these movies had the number 10 in it. And honestly, I think what we both realized in the end is that um, a key role of deception amidst the romance comedy um, genre involving the number 10 um, both in two very different ways. One movie begins with the mention of the number 10 at the beginning and the other has it mentioned at the end of the film, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a different contrast, you know, this movie sets it up the number 10, but in, uh, as far as how to lose a guy in 10 days, but for 10 things I hate about you, it's not mentioned until the end. It's not a main theme throughout the thing because in, how to lose a guy in 10 days you got this clock man you got this countdown you're like oh my gosh it's day six and like this is crazy with 10 things i hate about you you're not thinking about the number 10 at all you're like shouldn't this movie start off with a list or something it's until the last bit with her poem that she reads so that's very odd Mm -hmm. it's like the movie that mentions 10 at the beginning of the title doesn't mention it until the end of the film and the one that mentions it at the end of the title, it's the key feature of the beginning of the film. My brain, it's gone. Mm -hmm. It's exploded. It's in a puddle. Matthew McConaughey now has possession of my brain. He's got it. He's allowed to hold my brain and just do whatever he wants with it because I've given it to him Mm -hmm. because my mind is just gone. 
Also, both films have singing scenes where the woman wears yellow. Yes, they do. Oh my gosh, they do. Symbolizing sunshine, you know? Who in their right mind thinks that the the love name Sugarpuss is a good idea? I, I don't understand how that could seduce, persuade, honor the the opposite sex in any way. You know, if 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 any if if my girlfriend was to say, "What's up, sugar puss?" I would cry. I would <laughs> honestly cry. I would probably cry, and I would I would binge eat Oreos. I think, in a joking way, heck yeah. In a legitimate way, hmm, nah. No, I'm not. I'm not no. in it. I appreciate your more just like no response, and I'm I'm pretty dramatic with mine. Like I like I'm just like. I draw the line. No, that it would just offend me. It would just, it would just, it would worry. <laughs> it would worry me. You know, I don't like to see Matthew McConaughey and Sugar Puss kind of be in the same vicinity. I you mean, know, that just, it's not your sex life. It's Matthew McConaughey's as Ben, no last name. You, you know what? I was proven wrong. We thought they didn't have last names. They do have last names. <gasps> I, I was for sure that they didn't, but they do. And guess what the last names are? Audra, we've got Benjamin Barry and Annie Anderson. That's worse than Sugar Puss, right? That's worse than Sugar Puss. Why did they have to do? Why did they feel like they were just um, limited to the beginning of that? Yeah, and limited to the beginning of the alphabet, like A and then B. They could have gone way. You've got many other letters down there. I believe twenty six. Am I correct? I mean, after you use A and B, you've got a full twenty four. So Matthew McConaughey is, he's fine Mm -hmm. in this movie. He's pretty much just Matthew McConaughey. It's not really anything special, but I've actually been watching True Detective season one with my roommates, which stars Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. And it's incredible. It's really, it's just this Southern crime drama uh, series by HBO. And it's, really truly incredible and Matthew McConaughey is spectacular and so this movie compared to what I've watched with True Detective makes this movie so much worse (laughs) like (laughs) yeah I think it's one of those sad things where like Matthew McConaughey is an incredibly talented actor who just there was a time period where he just got co-opted for absolutely terrible rom-coms there was how how to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Um, was it The Wedding Planner? Was the one with Jennifer Lopez. And then um, with the the girl from Sex in the City, I think, um, there was Failure to Launch. Um, so those are just the three that I can think of off the top of my head. So We've I got think Ghosts just, of Girlfriends Past. Ooh, Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of those, which is kind of a weird time for the early 2000s. Mm-hmm where they just decided that Matthew McConaughey, this incredibly talented actor, was hot rom-com leading man instead of anything else. They propelled him into an incredible 2010s where he was in Bernie with um, Jack Black, directed Mm -hmm. by Richard Linklater, which is incredible black comedy. He was in Magic Mike, which is so good, so good. He's in Dallas Buyers Club as an incredible... Um, druggy. He's in Wolf of Wall Street, the Martin Scorsese epic. He's in Interstellar, which is arguably one of the most just unbelievable space movies, you know? So he has some redemption there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I enjoy talking about him because of his array of movies and his expertise and also just his like public eye too. I know he just wrote a memoir and he's just in, been in the uh, the public political eye recently, like a lot of in, in the Lincoln uh, vehicle commercials. Like he's just a well-known guy. And so I hope that he can, you know, swallow this one and, and, and you know, and go through a lot of repenting for what he, he did to us during this mm-hmm. time because I'm pretty disappointed in him, honestly. And I'll be calling him up later and letting him know. But yeah, I if he doesn't you call know. you first. He's an avid mm-hmm. listener, so if he doesn't call you first, I'll be really mm. disappointed. Yeah, I'll be I'll be pretty offended, and I'll probably leave him. You know, I'll ghost him mm. more, more than likely. Mm-hmm. Harsh. Well, 
he he did he did it to himself by making this damn movie. So basically, if you have to CGI at the beginning of a movie, probably not going to be the best movie. And if you're going to have two A-list actors, you better use it pretty well. And this movie wasted them pretty good. Even if it checks the boxes of stereotypical rom-com gender role story with the guy doing guy stuff and the girl doing girl stuff, it's still charming and irresistibly unrealistic to the point where you just kind of have to accept it for what it is and say F it and keep eating the popcorn. It's like they broke all the rules, but at the same time, they pretty much followed them. I'm going to give this movie a 2 out of 5. Audra, thank you so much for joining me in talking about these two uh, similar but also incredibly different films. I had a blast watching them. It sounds like you did too. And I think that talking with you about it was honestly better than watching How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. So I appreciate you coming on. (laughs) Agreed. Thank you so much for having me. What do you got going on? Well, right now, if you enjoyed hearing me speak or if you want to hate listen to me speak you can check out drinkopedia it's a podcast i do with a couple of friends where one of us has to learn two topics then get incredibly drunk and attempt to explain those topics to the other two it's a lot of fun it is a lot of fun and i absolutely love it and love listening to them so definitely check that out I am Bear Boswell. Thank you so much for checking out this podcast. You can support us by subscribing to us on your chosen podcast player. We put this podcast out for free every two weeks. So if you want to give back, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars is great. And if you want to suggest a film, a topic, or just express your thoughts, get in touch via email at defilmpod at gmail.com. Next time, myself and a guest will be looking at Die Hard and Lethal Weapon by looking at some loosely Christmas-themed action movies. So check out those films in the next two weeks and be a part of the discussion. This has been Double Exposure. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.